1: What's
0: your weird story? Hello, Weirdsville! It's time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Your weekly podcast of the weird, the true, the unusual, the bizarre, the hard to explain, the even harder to understand sometimes with everything that's happening in your brain or in somebody else's brain. Uh, or in the universe, with the, in the ghosts and the UFOs and the Bigfoots and uh, all of that. It's all that put into a blender and made into a really nice smoothie every week, provided to you by uh, myself, uh, Adam Beebe, and uh, my co host, who is always here with me, always in your heart and mine, uh, the smiling sensei, Mr. Barry Johnston. Hello, Barry. Hello, Professor. How are you, sir? I am doing all right. Thank you very much. Uh, how about yourself? Good. Doing well.
1: Um, I know that this is a little bit outside of the realm of weird, but it uh, does pertain to Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so we played the last Bedlam game possibly ever over on Saturday between OU and OSU, uh, and I know that that, uh, that that breaks your heart probably, but... Uh,
0: how I mean, what's weird? Well, uh, uh, I'm noted for not giving a, a, a much of a shit of anything about sports in general, um, but uh, especially football. But how is it the last possible one? Uh, because OU
1: is leaving the conference they are yeah
0: but still they can still play oh it's no it's really it's not even like the uh kingfisher hennessy game that started off every year no you have to do that
1: no really yeah unfortunately um i wish i wish that weren't the case but yeah they uh maybe they'll see each other at some point in time but um yeah it's uh it's no more so Bittersweet. It was bittersweet. Uh, OU lost, unfortunately. My Sooners got beat.
0: If you're going to go out, go out. Cowboys on top. My dad would have really appreciated that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) I've been... uh so I've been hearing it from the OSU fans and that's fine that's what it's about you know that's what the rivalry's about.
0: Yeah. But yeah. uh but, but it's it, sad to see it back. Uh, it is, you know. Huge rivalry like Big that time. go away.
1: 117 uh-huh. years I believe, something yeah. like that. Uh, it's sad to see it go for sure. Yep. Uh but yeah, well, I, th- I thought you'd like to know that.
0: Yeah. Well, did you read that uh, story that I sent to you? Uh, in the message that email uh, that popped up in celebrity weird news, I don't think that th- I don't think I got that. When did you send that to me? I sent that just a few days ago. I'm glad to know that you pay attention to my <laughs> guess, email, my text I messages. I guess I didn't get that. My, uh, group, uh, the group text message for uh, you, uh, uh. it up. Uh, actually, you even put a thumbs up on it. But uh, oh, okay, Goldie okay. Con- Goldie Hawn, oh, famous, famous, famous. Yeah, actress, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did has come out and uh, told about how she has been having these lifelong encounters with UFOs and aliens.
1: That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty heavy, man. I mean, yeah, coming from a a person of her stature to say that mm-hmm. is pretty. That's pretty amazing, and um man what can you say it, it these stories they keep coming out and people are now feeling more comfortable about talking about these things and uh i'm i'm here for it it's just um yeah we're living in wild times man
0: yeah in, in, indeed man and it is becoming as you say it's it's becoming more of a i guess it's more of a socially acceptable idea at least yeah. You know, there's still a lot of scoffing. There's still a lot of like, eh, you know, people doing that from the from the naysayers. Right. Uh, but you know, we don't know. You know, we don't know. And we we here at uh, What's Your Weird Story tend to side with the person who has the story the story to share. And you can, you know, whenever it's something that's a big, big, big story for somebody to share, especially yeah. somebody who's been in the uh, public eye since the
1: 1960s. Yeah. And she's, you know? and she's well thought of too, you know? Yes,
0: exactly. And, and, and respected and thought of as, you know, not, right. she's not, a, never been even a, a really a wild one. She, she was considered dingy back right. in the sixties. Right. That was a character that she yep. portrayed, but yes, you know, she's just been a, a, you know, she's a professional actress is very good at her craft. And, uh, you know, uh, She's had, you know, she had with Ker Russell were together forever, yeah. Uh, you know, in Hollywood, that's a rare thing too. So, you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, you know, somebody's considered down to earth, and then they have these, this, these stories, these encounters. That's cool. All of their life, man. So yeah. go uh, look into that. There's interviews, there's articles, et cetera, All sorts of interesting stuff. Uh, And speaking of interesting stuff and interesting life and people who start off as down to earth uh, as you can get uh, and then experience something radically different and life-changing, hey, that's our story from our guest today, Francis, right? Right.
1: She was fantastic to talk to. She she's everything that we love to uh, to get on this show. She's a world traveler. She's got great stories, and what an interesting life she's had. Just fascinating, yes,
0: indeed. Yes, she's pulled a one hundred and eighty, uh, and in her life, and it's been incredible. And uh, she's here to talk to it, talk to us about it today. And uh, we had a great time and a great conversation. Uh, And you'll know this because uh, Barry and I hardly speak at all. (laughs) We're absorbed in the story. Love it. Uh, So join with us as we welcome from uh, Norway by way of uh, India and South Carolina and all the places all over the world from this truly globetrotting friend of ours, Francis. Francis. Thank you for joining us. What's Your Weird Story?
2: Thank you both so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here because you guys just, you bring the good. You guys just bring a really good uh, atmosphere for us all to hear these just wild stories. And I I hope my story meets the mark, but I believe it does. Um, so previously I was a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. I have a PhD in clinical psychology. Uh, from Vanderbilt University, a formal stuffy, you know, nice, nice. University. Yeah.
0: Ivy I've, League is or I, isn't it not? Is it not? It should be. I, it sounds like it
2: should be. Kudzu League or something. I don't there know. you go. There you
0: go.
2: <laughs> um, There's some I kind was,
0: of old overgrowth. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, the undergrads were pearls to class. So I don't know. I was Very a graduate right. student, so um, yeah. it, it wasn't really part of the culture, but it brought its own vibe for sure. And I am non-indigenous, born in the USA, primarily of European ancestry, and previously I was very, very, very much teen atheist, like material atheist, mm-hmm. or warm meat, you know, when we go, and and not the nice kind, not like slightly open to other things, like the really judgmental junky kind. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just thought like, it's an intelligence test, and you didn't pass it if you believe in the paranormal.
3: Yeah. Right, Yeah. Sure.
2: Well, that's the setup, and the next part is there. I was in private practice, snug as a bug in a rug. Um, I had my like, you know, doctor behind me and uh, the door to close, and you know, I was a formal, formal therapist, and I began hearing spirits, um, and not gently. Uh, this was almost a decade ago, and so I, I now have a lot of experience working with other people that go through similar experiences. And I think I can say with some certainty that it was one of the more rapid and almost uh, violent openings that people could go through. So I went from being this uh, snotty atheist to hearing uh, the spirits of past loved ones in my therapy room. So you can imagine in a moment, (laughs) everything I thought I knew crumbled fast forward and skipping over a lot of years. And those years might be where we want to, have some stories to share. I now am initiated as a shaman in Mongolia.
1: Oh wow! So, wow, that's yeah. a that's a quite a, a change. Wow.
3: Yeah, a little shift. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Did you uh, grow? Did you grow up in a religious atmosphere, or no?
2: So I I recently said I grew up in the religions of science and shopping. Okay. Um, it was very. There there wasn't, it, science was the religion, and there was a lot of looking for shopping sales, too. Like, it, it just yeah. was kind of that. It look, I grew up in the suburbs in the southwest in Arizona. Okay. Right. Um, Yeah. And so a lot of what I like to talk about is also, I mean, this story is a bit out there, but also, I think the word shaman, generally, if you hear a white person use this word, they're just not a shaman. They're just not a shaman. Mm, yeah.
3: Uh-huh.
2: If you're you're making Thai food, you're not making Mexican food.
3: (laughs) Right, right.
2: You might be a legitimate person. You might be doing legitimate work. But there is actually a tradition and culture behind it. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, so that's my word story is I now am recognized not by one, but by uh, five shamans in Mongolia have recognized me. I live there part of the year every year. And I actually do the work of a shaman in Mongolia with Mongolians. Wow. Um, I'm initiated into lineage and I have this like wild spirit. That is my, um, sky boss. And yeah, so that's my weird story. Wow. wow, this is what we can take from here. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, first, there's let's... a lot just We're in that rewind. for sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it to you guys.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> so let's
0: rewind. Let's rewind. And, uh, okay. Uh, so you, this first, how, okay. What, when you started hearing your, the voices, obviously mm-hmm. I'm guessing, being that you're a, you're a practicing uh, psychologist, hmm. you s- a lot probably immediately self-diagnosed like you know like, <laughs> oh no, what's wrong my <laughs> is or something that yeah, I would imagine that is, th- is that what was that process like what happened like what, well, yeah, what was the situation and yeah, mm. how it opened, the the door opened. Yeah. well
2: you know Adam what's so strange is I didn't because the way that I like to try to I try to find analogies because it's such a difficult story to relate to on one level mm-hmm. imagine being blind and suddenly you're seeing it just there was something very uh true about it mm-hmm. and the voices were immediate I'm lucky I'm extremely lucky a lot of people that go through these very spontaneous openings they open to the wrong realms mm-hmm. and they start having the wrong voices telling them to do bad things and and right. that leads quite quickly to the path of a diagnosis <laughs> one i was a psychologist so i got to choose if i wanted to do that or not
3: <laughs> right right
2: and two like they were, it was evidential from the beginning it was um there was more than the clear audience and the hearing what came along with it it, it, it would be like opening your eyes for the first time. I don't know how else to explain it. was confusing. But mm-hmm. there was something in my soul that was just like, well, shit, I was wrong.
1: Wow. Wow. Did you... Yeah. What, what was the... um? Like, when it happened, was it like an immediate for you? Like, okay, now I get it? Or were you... <laughs> Were you clinical in your discovery of like, okay, I need to vet this a little bit to see if I'm on to something here or if I'm just, this is maybe I'm going into a, a weird spot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. how did you take that? Was this soul crushing to you as far as your belief it's system? Soul crushing.
2: It was, it was absolutely shattering. There, I don't think there is any word in the English language that can capture how much this was absolutely devastating to my entire concept of reality. Right. Because the thing, the thing about saying, like, you could not see and then you see, the thing is then you see and you're like, oh, I had, you know, a sense of maybe you had hearing. You could kind of get a sense of how far away things are. So you're still working within the same dimensional system. But when I say I opened… These stories get really weird, and I opened uh, in ways that made me completely trans. I mean, I wasn't atheist, yeah,
3: <laughs> but
2: but it wasn't just past loved ones. I started recognizing, you know, karmic flows and connections. And um, I was married at the time to a really good man. We met in graduate school. He got a doctor. He was in graduate school uh, from math, and uh, we were just nerds, you know, yeah. we were nerds right. that like to like have a debonair and Um, and garden a lot and uh, and I want to give a little shout out to my pit bull dog we had two dogs but my pit bull was my sweetie and I, I haven't that was probably honestly one of the hardest things about leaving that life yeah so it was completely destabilizing Barry because not just was it like uh it would be one thing to be alone in a cave and you're meditating for six years and suddenly you're like oh my god everything they said is true but the thing is i had not just it's not just they opened these awarenesses it literally i had built an entire life around these assumptions mm-hmm. yeah. and i i found myself feeling like a fraud you know i didn't want to be a psychologist anymore because mm. i very I, i'm finding ways to speak about it now but at the time i couldn't put words around it but but what was happening was i was like well i'm i think i'm a good therapist like was i i kind of sometimes when i say i think i'm a good therapist i feel like but i'm the cool mom <laughs> like,
3: you know? right, right yeah i don't know yeah yeah
2: <laughs> but uh in in other ways it was harmful because it doesn't matter how much of a cool mom you are you are representing an institutional space sure and People might just be struggling with like depression or anxiety or eating disorders, and they want to come into someone, but they want to be able to say, well, my grandmother came to me in a dream last night, and she said this, and they don't, but they, can, they have to censor themselves, right, when they go into these institutional spaces, and so I, um, it just didn't hold, I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't want to be holding up uh, something that I was slowly starting to understand was um, harming in in some larger ways, as much as helping individuals,
0: it's I you know the the to me uh, it sounds very much like the uh, 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 like from the Bible from the New Testament Paul where the scales fell off of his eyes as you described it, where oh. all of a sudden you you know he in the in the New Testament Barry and I grew up in a Methodist church, mm-hmm. um, so we we know we, we've got a lot of these stories ingrained and it's still. Um, but uh, you know, it, Paul was a persecutor, a official persecutor of the Christians. You know, I mean, he would go and he would find them and put them to death and all that stuff. Uh, Ooh. and and I believe uh, put them to death, but he was a persecutor of, of the And this is, of course, the early, early days of the church before it was the church, really. Um, but then like on the road to Damascus, I believe, um, uh. He, there was, he was, I think he had like two people, two guards with him or whatever, and all of a sudden he was blinded. And, uh, he, like, was, because he was in the presence of God, I guess, or God blinded him. And Uh. then, uh, he's, whenever, whenever he was healed, he, the scales fell from his eyes, as it it Uh. says. And then that's whenever his, he was, all of a sudden, you know, he's like, you know this this group that I've been pursuing actually are on to something. <laughs> you know, he's like oh he has wow, complete oh wow, perception changed. He was immediately, like you. He was like he, he went from you know this this Roman. Um, he I don't know if he was Roman. I don't. I'm not sure if he was if he was Jewish or not because of the, mm-hmm. all you know the, in those days it was still a Jewish cult kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But but anyway, regardless. He he changed from Saul to Paul. He became a whole new person as far as oh, wow. this transformative experience of this exper the spiritual experience, and so that's immediately brought to mind to me uh, from what you're describing it as. All of a sudden, you're blind and now you see. You know, and and it's yeah. like, but it's, of course, it's even beyond that because it's not just. I was blind and now I can see but it's like now I'm blind and I can fly through space I mean everything <laughs> is different yeah. you know? I don't
2: know it sounds really similar to me you guys just for like a sorry you'll have to edit this out but when I talk I haven't used Skype in a while you guys get little blue around you when you're talking but I don't get it is, that, is the recording yes. working Okay.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the blue tells you who's talking but it won't give it it won't show you because you should okay. probably know when you're talking that's it
3: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So I'll jump back into the story. Yeah. I find that a really interesting story because, um, you know, like I said, I struggle so much to find words for what ex- what I've experienced. But what I have found is, you know, like this didn't happen two weeks ago. This, the beginning of this story happened nine years ago, and I'm only choosing to be public about it now because, uh. Well, for a lot of reasons, but as I become public, I recognize there's so many people that are approaching me saying, thank you. You know, like these are things that I didn't know how to explain myself. And I ha- I do have a podcast where I talk about my wild stories. It's not an ongoing podcast. It's more like an audio book of eight episodes. Okay. And I just tell like my wild stories of from beginning to end. Nice. Um, it's called Not All Spirits Are Jerks. Okay. If anyone wants to check it out. Nice. But um, I, I think these, it, it's remarkable to me because as I was going through it, you know, I didn't just go from like a therapist's office in North Carolina to Mongolia. There was, there were a lot of years there and I've actually lived in over 250 places. Oh, in the wow. West. Yeah. Dang.
1: You are a world yeah. traveler for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I'm not like, I've never been to France. I've never been to Italy. This isn't like some like holiday. I've just been like, um, kind of tossed about and I, I think that that was necessary. But now that I'm becoming public with my story, I was thinking, well, who can relate to this? I mean, this story, no one's going to be able to relate to this. And it's remarkable to me how many people do. So it it kind of makes me think of Paul, too, that, like, I don't know that we have the right words to fully explain what it means to go through such a transformation. Um, but if we cannot hold on too much to the, like, um, the literalness of the words. Mm-hmm when you tell me that story about him, I just, I relate really deeply. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, I wasn't raised with the Bible. And so I don't hear, I don't know how other people would hear it, but for me, it's just a story about a dude and I'm like, Whoa, dude, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, It is. Uh, it is like Adam said, sort of ingrained in our bones. And um, although that we, you know, speaking for myself um, we don't go to church or do anything of the, of the sort I've always considered myself to be a spiritual person. I always had a lot of atheist friends. Um and was always compassionate to that because um maybe it was the way they were raised or a, a choice um but for me I just um had it so I had my own experiences even though I wouldn't I wouldn't wrap the church into that. I wouldn't I wouldn't to me, spirituality has really nothing to do with formal religion, um, yeah. and right. that's what I took with me as an adult. Now, I've got a. Your story is kind of making me think of a lot of different aspects of this change that you must have taken, and one of the things I think about is friends and family, like. Did you lose colleagues, friends, as you made this transition into spiritual life? Did they have questions? Were you able to salvage those relationships? What What does that look like for you?
3: Um,
2: I lost, I would say, everything. Uh, but some came back, like my uh, biological family, like uh, Um, but I was married to this guy and in his childhood, uh, he was raised by a mother and father, but when he was a child, his father went down a path. So this happened before his eyes as a child that eventually got diagnosed, uh, with a diagnostic label that I don't use. And I'm not going to say here. Um, but it's probably the one that's coming to mind for anyone listening to this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was incredibly close to him. Uh, We had been together for 10 years and, um, you know, I think that we all have, uh, we all have, many of us have our friend groups and our married friend groups. If we're in that kind of, uh, cultural swimming pool and, uh, we all know the statistics. So we kind of wonder like who's going to make it or not. And, yeah and I think that we were the ones that everyone we had a huge garden and we gardened together every day after work and we we were the one we were kind of like um a hub of like social uh things we had a huge out i forgot about this we had a huge movie screen out in the back okay. and we would have movie nights yeah, yeah um for the neighborhood i mean I think everyone thought they're the ones that are gonna make it, and we didn't because. I think he and I loved each other so deeply. I have no doubt of that. And I have not one bad thing to say of him. Never did, never will. We just didn't know how to talk about what was happening to me. And the Mm -hmm. cultural script that he was given in the colonized spaces that we were raised in is that this was mental illness. And it wasn't mental illness, but I was terrified and I needed support. And so it's like I was put in this impossible position to be trying to reassure people I'm totally fine when I wasn't fine. Praying mantises were suddenly talking to me in the garden. You know, like yeah, right. I wasn't fine, um, but I couldn't get the support I needed, and so yeah, I lost that. I walked away from my. Um, I literally just walked away from my career. I'm no longer a clinical psychologist. I'm not licensed. I I kind of joke that like yeah, I have a PhD, but if they can take it back, they might. But right. I guess it doesn't
3: matter. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you right. <know?
2: laughs> you don't need that for shamanism. Uh, but what's super interesting to me is when I left. I have always—it's probably why I'm here doing this podcast. Uh, there's so there's just like a one of the apps in my system is tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. And even though I didn't understand what was happening to me when I was leaving my practice, I told of my closer colleagues, um, which was less than a dozen, but I told all of them why I was leaving. And some of them thought I was uh, flipping teams because in in clinical psychology. You have teams, you have the healer, you know, you have right. the psychologist and the right. patient, right? Yeah. They thought it was jumping teams, but half of them shared their own stories. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, did you guys all like, <laughs> were we just going to pretend that these other yeah. worms, you know, like right. it, it was, it was shocking to me, but I, yeah. So I, I did, um, I did lose everything and I, you know, I don't know. I, uh. This idea of like, I recently said on something that's recorded, and I wish I could change it, something like, We get what we need and we don't get more than we can handle. It's just not true, man. Like, yeah. You can't, some of us just go through horrific things because it's a really dense realm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the world is tough and and some people have it. I mean, some people are easier than others and not even talking about privilege. I'm just talking about how how they interact with life and how the things that just happen to come at them. And, yeah. and, you know, and how some people feel things deeper than others. Yeah. And, you know, that's why some, you know, I mean, that's I think that's why some people can handle things that others can't because they've already, they've dealt with these things deeply already. Or, you know, sure. some is, so I, I, I don't know. guess.
2: Yeah. But, you know, all three of us are from this project called the USA and we all have heard stories about. Parents losing their babies too soon through violence.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be some new age bumper sticker generator being like, I guess that's easier. You know, you can handle it. That was going to be for you. Yeah. I don't, I respect people that say this is more than I can handle. Um, yeah. I think for me, I can talk about my traumatic experiences in a way that there did seem to be through my little dark night of the soul the like, you know, when you go bowling and sometimes with kids, they put the little like
3: the bumpers up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: it felt awful at the time. But the reality is, uh, it it, 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 I made it through, um, and I was able to handle it, yeah. So, and
1: I'm sure that's equipped you for your journey now, and that's, I think. I thinking back on what you were saying about some of your colleagues, like I'm looking at this as like, these are people that have spent so much time, money and effort to acquire a position and, you know, and that comes with its own set of boundaries that they maybe choose to not, you know, indulge with other people as far as like these spiritual things that they may experience. But I've got to think that like your training has to help you now because I feel like that background cuz what you did was about listening to people mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that has you know whether it's you know uh, like clear or not as as far as how that helps you now I feel like that has to ha- that has to be a plus for you and it, and even if it's not that just what you've gone through with you know having to navigate this new world of you know basically changing complete directions in your life like that doesn't come without a big cost but
3: yeah
2: yeah
1: but it helps too at at a certain point I think you know
2: I well I agree and I disagree and I disagree in like the reason why I love your podcast is because you guys are great listeners and there is a healing aspect to have someone just hear your story unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to be in graduate school for five million years to learn how to listen. Right. so I think the best therapists that I know, and there, you know, there are still great people, like they're they're great people in there. They're great psychologists. They're working within a system that I think is causing harm, but they're great people Mm -hmm. there. But I think the best ones they're bringing, you know, you guys, maybe you guys should have been therapists, like,
3: (laughs) (laughs) because
2: you've been through stuff and you listen non-judgmentally. And I think that's way... Uh, I never had one class in graduate school that said, shut up and listen to your client. My graduate school was like, talk, you know, um, tell them and be the expert and like, listen enough to tell them what you know about them more than themselves, which I just think is like a lot of what I talk about now is, is, uh, and this is what my podcast is too, is like talking about like, not just my crazy stories, but I was raised in the most highly colonized of spaces that you can get. And colonization is, an, for me, and the way that I talk about it, it's an ongoing project.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's an ongoing project that that holds disparity in place so that some people have more privilege than others. Mm-hmm. And so we have really good people. I'd like to think I'm alright, kind of a good person, you know, but that doesn't absolve me from responsibility. And now I, but I didn't understand before. Now I understand, I think I was a healer soul raised in a highly colonized space and I was propagating that machine that mm-hmm. way of knowing and it's not um it's not the only way to be and so when I say I was tossed out and I've lived in all these places and I haven't lived in France when I think about it that's probably relevant um the first thing I did was move to Nepal and I've lived in Nepal and India and when I say I live in Norway it's actually not Norway it's stopped me so Sápmi are the indigenous lands. They're the mm. only indigenous lands in Europe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They go. They go across. So it's it's not totally in the Arctic, but where I am is well well above the Arctic Circle, and I spend half my year there. So these lands go across Norway, Sweden, Finland, and part of Russia. Okay. And, yeah. So are yeah. these the
0: reindeer? Yeah. The reindeer herders. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, I let me tell you, I love reindeer. I will eat You show me a reindeer, and I'm going to be like, "Hey, buddy!"
1: (laughs) It is good. It is good. I've had reindeer stew. Oh my god! Oh god! In I think it was in Finland when I had it. It Maybe in Norway. Yeah. But uh, unbelievable region. Oh, so good, good, man! That is, is.
2: I miss Mexican food when I'm up there, but the, the, right. the food is good. <laughs> so with, within <laughs> – uh, I, 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 and I, I do want to acknowledge, you know, like I just want to say because I know I'm going to have friends from up there listening. Um, there's just a weird thing that like you guys aren't doing it and I'm not doing it, so I'm just going to name it. Like here we are. We're all from the USA. I don't want to be a spokesperson for – Sami culture because they have amazing people there sure. doing a lot of activist work and things, but, I, but, but it is also my lived experience. So I live up there half the year cause my partner is Sami and uh, he is, um, he is a uh, sea Sami. So some of, some of the people in, uh, in Sami are more connected to reindeer culture mm-hmm. and they were more nomadic. So it was sort of harder for the Norwegian state or the Swedish state to catch them force them to go to school they didn't have quite the violence of history that we had in this part of the world with residential schools but it was it was pretty bad and it was yeah. still the ideas of a race and culture and you can't speak the language my partner is part of communities that are me and they because because reindeer you have to go with them so you become nomadic but when you're me the fish you know where the fish are so you can build a house and yeah. you can so that meant that the governments, the, the nation-states that grew around them, it was easier for them to kind of overtake their culture.
3: Right. Um, Absorb them I, into, yeah.
2: Yeah, forced forced absorption. And yeah. so up there, they're super, oh, they're super, there's super—oh, there's super—there's a lot of Lutheran up there. very oh, wow. Very, very full-soul Christian up there in ways that I find um, difficult, but— uh, what I've been interesting is I was the last one when, when I was up there just a month ago, I was spending some time with his him and his sister and she lives in this amazingly beautiful valley. You know, it's just like it's just it looks like um, Lord of the Rings, but uh-huh. like Arctic arctic (laughs) edition these like amazing like mountains just going up in this deep valley that she lives in and oh it's just great and we had this beautiful meal we had these sea crab legs um those big king crabs and oh wow oh so great and we were having an after dinner drink outside and uh his whole family knows what i do and they just kind of like yeah okay it's not a big deal because before christianity came They had a tradition of something that wasn't quite like shamanism, but it's sort of the close cousin. So like what I like to say is shamanism, not what I like to say, like what is, is shamanism is from Mongolia and neighboring regions only. So if you're not from there, you're not initiated into lineage there, you're not a shaman. You can't be like a sex shaman or like a
0: you know, whatever. Damn Chocolate it, man. Jamon. Now yeah, we, no. buddy, we've got to amend our, yeah. uh, our, our resumes now. Yeah. I well,
2: I, I think they might, but now you know me, I might be able to get you. Okay. That's cool. Like,
1: that's cool. You know, my wife, la- my wife would laugh at that, uh, notion, but, uh, <laughs> um, okay. I really, I want to really quick, I want to bridge the gap between how you came out of the, you know, psychology world into how do we get over to uh, this world that we're living in in the Arctic like how do we get into yeah. shamanism how do we get into what was the, the gateway there for you
2: well this is where I'm gonna talk about my story in a way that feels kind of guided and okay. I don't want to imply that life is always like this but uh, it it <laughs> Let me think about where to begin. So very briefly, there are sacred healers all over the world. So in Mongolia, they're called shamans. Mm-hmm. Um, in Greenland, they're called angakok. So when I'm going back to Greenland in a couple weeks, I'll be spending some time with the angakok there. Um, we have them all over. We call them—I uh, was. I learned them as medicine men uh, mm-hmm. in North America. But, of course, each tribe is going to have their own word. But the reason they're all sacred healers. And what I like to say is in colonized spaces, we have them too, but we call them mentally ill.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. It's not
2: really. A joke. It's kind of like that kind of a joke, but it's not. Um, but the, the, but so the souls are the same when you hear people talking and I'm going to be one of them, like everything's connected and past lives and all that. You right. know, the reason why you do this again, so those are the sacred healers that can see with their spirit eyes. So my spirit eyes open, but in, but the, the methods are different. And just like we all eat food, Mexican food is different than Thai food. Mm-hmm. So in Mongolia, uh, when you become a shaman, what happens, part of their recipe is you are merged with a spirit. And the spirit is sort of like a, he's, ugh, it can be he or she, or I don't want to put gender on it. it can be I'm sure it could be non-binary. Um, it is it's kind of like your boss your grandfather or grandmother your guide it's all of these things but you're merged with them in your initiation and that's it uh, so they're the one uh, well that's why my spirit my podcast is called not all spirits are jerks the twist is my the word is onga onga is the word for this primary spirit guide that you have as a shaman. Mm-hmm. So you are nothing. You're nothing. You're just the messenger. You're the vessel for them to come through. A mm-hmm. lot of shamanism, a lot of what we do is uh, possession work, and you're being possessed not by randos, but by your own god. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My own god is a big freaking jerk. <laughs> 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 and it's not true for most shamans. Some, but like I, he's, he's really a classic, And so... Uh, what happened was, uh, when I say it opened to hearing like past loved ones, it's true. But from the beginning, I was also hearing the guidance of a spirit and I didn't know who it was. And at the beginning I was like, is this a grandfather? The advice seemed kind of good. The advice quickly got a little bit intense. Um, but it took many, many years later. So, so this, this spirit at the beginning. I didn't know who it was, but every, you know, it was a odd season of like clarity when I think about it. Like at the beginning, I think that's probably unusual. At first I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but everything makes sense. And then it got a little bit more disorganized. But this mm-hmm. one spirit who I now know is my own God, who I have been uh, merged with. He was telling me like, okay, your soul signed up for this. You as you and your human form, you don't know what the heck's going on, but this was always going to happen. We're going to take care of you. You got to go to Nepal. Your life is over. And, uh, no, that was intense. I had a mortgage. Sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, tomatoes were, I, I did literally leave as the tomatoes were about to ripen and I still kind of like feel like a, I'm not going <laughs> to reach nirvana because I still have attachment to that one tomato is waiting to, uh, <laughs> waiting to
3: become ripe, you know.
2: Uh, but I decided to listen to him, and that took me through a really dark time. Uh, but that's 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 what got me there. And so what happened? Well, what happened was he. So he told me to go to Nepal, and at that point, my marriage we just didn't. it's it's sad we just didn't know what to do about it and so i just said i'm going to nepal and i don't think either of us knew what that meant but we also knew what it meant Mm um i quickly met a hottie and by hottie i mean someone that had been in the tibetan monastery and at that time (laughs) (laughs) that was that was gonna get my get me going
3: um
2: and he, yeah. And then this guide said, "You know, this is here. Here he is." You know, and I was like, "Okay, great." And I ended up going through a pretty. He was a Tibetan refugee living in Nepal at the time. I ended up going through uh, living in India, but he was in Nepal. Mm. I ended up living with him for a couple years in Nepal and in India, and um, it was horrible. It, it was bad advice from okay. this jerk.
1: Okay. okay.
2: And. I think, Barry, this goes back to your earlier question. Actually, I remember at the very beginning, I was like, damn, I don't know what the hell is happening. Like, I don't know what is happening to me. Like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. But I also like, mm, what, do you, what do you do about this? And I still had that rational scientific mind. I think I still do, but I just know when, I know how now to not live in it all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I thought, well, I don't have any cultural guidance around me. The elders around me only have terms like mental illness, and I just—not for a half of a second—considered that to be what was true. But I knew that there were. I knew there were people that could tell me what was true. And so when this voice said go to Nepal, I think I took my academic mind with me, and it sort of felt like I was going there for graduate school. Like, yeah, now I'll just go to Nepal right. and I'll find right. that, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And what I did was the day before I left for Nepal. I put a little bracelet on and I made a vow to myself. And I said, for one year, I'm going to take the advice of the spirit. It just gave me sort of like a compass of like in all this chaos, being aware of all these spirits, like, okay, this I'm going to hang on to. So at the end of the year, (laughs) Was living in this abusive relationship in a Tibetan settlement in India. And I remember taking the bracelet off and like making, you know, doing the, the conclusion of the study, the analysis of the conclusion. And it was like, do not listen to this guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that was, that was a bad idea. <laughs> so I, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up back in Arizona on my parents' couch. And I had left there when I was 17, like, now I'm almost forty. That's this tough.
1: Is... Yeah, that's tough. Yeah,
2: yeah. I just gosh, uh, it was it was humiliating, and I didn't know what else to do. And I I had just start. There was a yoga place nearby, and so I was just going to yoga in a strip mall. You know, like the taco shop was next door, and the chiropractor next door, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: but there was it was there was a woman there. She did great yoga, and so I remember I was in Shavasana one day. And I'm lying in shavasana, and in with my eyes closed, just so sort of like in a dream state, a trance really, but I didn't know to call it at the time. Some spirits came to me, and they said, "You're never gonna know who you are until you get to Mongolia." And strangely, one of these spirits that came to me, although I was so overwhelmed at the time, I didn't think to question it, was a moose. Like, why the hell is a moose saying to go? There's no moose in Mongolia. Wow. Right. <laughs> And I told him to, yeah, I told him to F off. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I did that Nepal India trip. That shit was terrible.
3: Right, right.
2: (laughs) You know, I just sent my Starbucks card again. (laughs) 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 Just done. And what they said to me was the door will open, and all you have to do is walk through. Now, at that time, I couldn't have pointed to Mongolia on a map, like probably knew it was in Asia-ish, like I just, I knew the continent, but I really, it's not like um, I've heard some people, like I was listening to one of your podcasts about a woman who did amazing work doing past life regression and, uh, you know, people were saying, oh, that makes so much sense because I've always called my mom my captain or something and it turns mm-hmm. out like I had... I liked nachos. Like, there was no <laughs> connection to Mongolia. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I knew the best place to get the California burrito. Like, there was nothing. And, yeah, yeah so I told him the F off. But, but I did say, okay, if you can open the door to Mongolia. I'm sitting here in a strip mall in Arizona. I'll go. Well, a little bit of time passed, and then... Uh, at that time, I didn't have the word shaman around me at all. I didn't have any idea. I, didn't, I, I knew that I could move energy. I knew I could see spirits, but I, none of it was coming together in any kind of useful way. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, somehow, I this spirit, this own God, but I didn't know that's who he was at the time. He was saying, well, look, at, if there's any retreats, maybe there's a retreat in Europe. Like, you want to get out of the U.S., you cannot find answers there. And somehow I found this retreat in Sweden, and it was a shamanic retreat. It's like the Scandinavian, I can't remember the name of it, Scandinavian shamanic community. They're great people. And they were like, maybe you should go there. Or he said, you should go there. And I thought, well, India was a bit intense.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I like Abba.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah. <know>? Abs- <laughs> Who doesn't?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: I can do, I can do Sweden. Sure.
3: Sure.
2: (laughs) Um, and so I, I get to, I, I I sign up for this retreat and it ends up being a group of very, very beautiful people. I wouldn't say it was shamanic. I would say they were doing things that all humans, you know, let me tell you, like if I took you guys and I took my drum and I beat it and I called in spirits and I took you on a journey, I think both of you are going to have really beautiful transformative experiences. I I really get kind of grossed out by the way shaman is used in the West because it's like, first of all, we can all do this except for maybe my dad and a few other people. Right. You know, but like also it's missing the point because shaman is not, I don't, I don't give a shit about being a shaman. Like, I'm interested in what's true. Right. You know, like you guys, like I like asking these questions and meeting these people, like what, this is a very fascinating place that we're in. And I think it, it, I don't want to have any of this about my ego or like identity or anything. Just like, I just want to share my story and hang out with cool people like you guys and be like, what? (laughs) Right. You know? Um, So they called it a shamanic retreat. I would call it a human retreat. I think we all have the abilities to do that, but there was a lot of journeying with drums and these things. And everyone there was European except for me from the USA. And there were three women from Russia and whenever I think technically, so they were from Moscow and I think Moscow is yes. considered Europe. Right. So, well, yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, Russia. East. Uh, so yeah, East Russia, Russia's for, for those of you who uh, did not have, um, uh, Mrs. Kadevi for sixth grade, uh, uh, geography. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Russia is massive. It's a big it's a it's a, you know what was form I guess now when it back when it was USSR especially it was massive but Russia still is massive but and it extends from the uh the 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 easternmost part of Europe um to the uh, yeah yeah to, to the to well to the uh, get, yeah to the, the the All the way push. out there. Yeah, almost, yeah. Cu- almost touching so, Alaska. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it goes, you know. So it goes from, you know, like I think it, I don't know if it's right up on Germany, but it's like, you know, Europe yeah, is small, so it's right up. uh it's massive. It's massive. It's it's bigger than the U.S. Uh, most yeah. of our listeners are yeah. here in the states, so you so, can't. Travel. You can't drive across Russia like you can on the U, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You have to go by train, and it takes you like weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's it's big, and and because of its size, there are different a lot of different different uh, ethnic groups and mm-hmm. that originate yeah. in those areas. So the further west you go, as you get towards. Mongolia and and Mm in Asia, that's where they get more Asian. They get more Asian, you know. So that's where that's at. So Mongolia, um, kind of is like situated between Russia and China, Mm
3: -hmm. and
0: so that's where that's at. So it's you can go there, and, and I think there's stuff written in Cyrillic. Yeah. Is that yeah. Correct? So, yeah. Yeah. So
2: that's... I'm. I'm absolute shit at learning languages, but I have like I. I don't speak any foreign language. Const- it's a. It's a, It's a com- cosmic joke in my life. But I. I do read Cyrillic so that I can poorly pronounce Mongolian and not know what I'm saying. But yeah, thank you. Exactly. So like when I say that they were uh, Russian, you hit like that. What's what I'm trying to say. There's so many ethnic groups there. So they're from yeah. Moscow, which is a very European. Yeah. Science.
0: Well, it's, it's it's almost be like saying, okay, somebody's from there's yeah three people from the U.S. They're from the United States. Well, one's from uh, uh, California, yeah. and then one's yeah. from Alabama, and one's from Connecticut, and they are all from the same country, the same area, but they're radically different in their viewpoints yeah. culturally. Yeah. Yeah. So even though there's a united culture there. There's still, you know, regional culture is, is, you know, a a bigger factor on on, on that.
2: Yeah. That's, oh gosh, thank you. That's what I was trying to say, but wasn't able to say exactly. Like, if you're like hanging out in New Orleans and suddenly you're in Seattle, (laughs) this is, if we're from, we from here know that's a huge cultural difference. Right. So so these, thank you. Exactly. So these women were from Moscow. So they're Russian, but they were from very European kind of place. But so at the end, I kept finding in this retreat, we would be broken up kind of quote unquote randomly in groups to do kind of different experiences together. But I kept being paired with these Russian women and they were intimidating in some ways. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
2: They were fulfilling yeah. of some, maybe I did. They were, they were strong intimidating women, but I, yeah. I came to really trust them and love them. And um, especially one woman, she was terrifying, <laughs> but I love her <laughs> and, uh, At the end of the retreat, they said, so we're going to do like a pilgrimage in Siberia, which is like you're saying, Adam, part of Russia, Mm -hmm. way out in the others, like towards South Korea, Mongolia. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're going to do a pilgrimage there to this place called Lake Baikal, a very spiritually charged place. Mm -hmm. We've come to trust everyone here. And anyone at this retreat is welcome to join the three of us. And that little rascal spirit, my own got, said, there you go, that's the door. Wow. We, wow. Yeah. We, I trusted them. I knew I'd be safe with them. They said they are going in six weeks, and I was going back to the USA, and they said, get your visa, get your plane ticket. They said, look it up on the map. Lake Baikal is just hours above Mongolia. All you have to do is take the Trans-Siberian. All you have to do.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it so was you like great, do it. you know, yeah,
2: is right. <laughs> take the Trans. I mean, at least, look, I took a lot of trains in India. <laughs> There's less people on the Trans-Siberian Railway. So it's pretty
3: posh. Yeah, right. Yeah. I can imagine.
2: So yeah, so I uh, I go I go um, I go back to the USA and I'm like shit, you know. I kind of like I told him I'd do it, but I don't want to do it.
3: Yeah,
2: because India had been terrible, and so I was like, you know, I, I, so I had done that experiment. If I put this bracelet on, I'd say yes to everything for one year. But now I was like, I'm smarter. I'm I'm not going to do what you say. So I literally, with this spirit, made a contract. And I said, okay, I will go, but not without my like demands. And my demands were, I don't want to be sick. Like I want to always have clean access to clean food. I don't want to, I like to eat. I don't want to have to, I'm not, I'm not very adventurous. Like, I don't want to be like, Oh, I haven't eaten in three days. Like I want to have a yummy meal every night. And, and I said, yeah, so they said, okay, fine. And what we, what we, promise you in return is you will you'll understand who you are and you'll find a teacher and at that point there was nothing i wanted more than to know what was going on with me so i i did it i got the visa i got the plane ticket i figured out how to get the train ticket into mongolia and maybe like five days before i was flying out from like arizona to siberia these women messaged me and they're like we canceled we're not going oh wow no yeah and my asshole, Ongat, laughed. And he was like, we told you the door would open. We didn't say other people walk through. Like, what? Right. He was kind of like, what's your problem?
3: Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> he just, I work with people now. Part of what I do in my work now is I help people who are going through these openings. I help them in those first years where it's really confusing and scary. And so I meet other people's teams and guides. This dude is like top-shelf asshole,
0: he, he seems very much like a trickster. You know? uh, I yeah, think that very, could be very, true. Very mischievous, You know, is Like he's not, mis- he's not lying to you. He's not misleading right. you, but he's, you know, he, yeah, there's, there's a little bit more of a, yeah, it's a, a lot of tongue in cheek kind of thing on his end. Yeah. It seems.
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I, you, that you said it exactly. And so I was like, God damn it. But I went, um, and cause there is a part of me that's really fearless and, what I find fascinating about, like, w- thinking back about being in that strip mall and this moose coming to me is to get to Mongolia, I went through Sweden, where they have mm-hmm. moose.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then moving forward in my story, I now live part of my year in Sopmi. And we ha- we do have a moose that lives really near us, and we wow. see him every once in a while. Wow. Wow, man. Jeez. Yeah.
1: That is wild. What
2: the, what the hell?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. <laughs>
2: I just... <laughs> yeah. And I'm just not, um, I just didn't know about any of this beforehand. So I think even when I tell my story now, I kind of like shock myself where I'm like, this is, uh, what is happening? But now, like I said, like now that I've moved further along and as I share my story, more publicly, it's just so amazing to me how many people come forward and they have their own similar stories and it doesn't always involve travel, but, um, I think, especially in these colonized spaces, we don't we don't have elders. I'm not an elder. I'm not trying to be like, and now you have me. Like I don't. <laughs> I'm not an elder. We don't have the cultural knowledge because through the history of the project that uh, brought us to the USA, we systematically killed the elders and the healers and the wisdom that went along with them yeah, so uh, and,
1: and and we don't even respect our elders anymore, which is a problem in this country.
3: Mm-hmm,
1: you know my mm-hmm. I love this country, um, yeah, for a lot of things, but one of the things that we tend to do as Americans is distill cultures and their ideas down to something, and we don't we aren't able to encapsulate the entire thing. And so, like, that's where you get a lot of people that have these like Eastern philosophy ideas, but they're not really yeah. they're not really grounded in anything, and they have all these grand notions about things, but there's no substance to what they're doing. Yeah. Same you thing,
0: make it, yeah. Make it very cons- easily consumable, exactly. So that yeah. Can- Watch a video on YouTube yep. and then now you're a Zen master. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> like a read a book. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, or you know, we because we want to have those things. We don't, are are we because we've become too much about instant gratification? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, and, and that's part of our culture, and and our you know our culture has has moved away from. uh You know, we have moved for, we've moved towards science, but we've and we've left spirituality behind. But also, part of our spirituality is, you know, there's an inflexible part in people's beliefs systems. The in the West, where you know, with your major religions, where there's not a an allow even those even though those religions have absorbed a lot of these of the previous kind of spiritualism aspects mm-hmm. of the practices, you know, which were called pagan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, there's such rigidness in it that, you know, there's only one way to do it and it's ours. And, yeah. you know, if you don't believe that you're going to hell, you know, and that's, unfor- you know, and of course, the building up of that so much has also made people reject spiritualism because Absolutely, they don't yeah. they, they don't want to be part of that kind of connotation. You know, so you
2: Yeah, so they're so scared that, for their yeah. eternal soul. Yeah, yeah, so you have <laughs> religious, really worth,
0: yeah. You have religious and you, you have uh, not religious and then, you know, there's a small present, you know, there's still in the, 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 that was a fire, I guess. And then there's still in the, there's still the smoke. You got some spiritual people who are just, you know, on their, yeah. I mean, even though there's, you know, there's a lot of people you're, you know, you're, you're on your own. But I guess really, it, when it's the whole truth of it is your, your spiritualism is your own anyway. So, yeah, you know, I guess that's, so. But, you know, <laughs> your beliefs are, you know, what, You believe in what comes from inside you. So, however you want to practice, but just let other people be. That's exactly
2: well. And I think in this way, like in some ways, you know, and all the ways I'm saying, I was raised with science as a religion, and it's funny, but I'm not really joking because I was science is a tool, and it's a wonderful tool, you know. But like, who are the people that have the funding and the access to be to? to be doing the research and I really had drank all the Kool-Aid and it was a religion for me. It was truth for me and it was a method that I used to judge other people. And so all the ways that that I think uh, there's some beautiful Christians and they're beautiful Muslims and they're Mm -hmm. beautiful Jewish people. And I, but the institutions, the way that they function to create Mm -hmm. discord and judgment Yeah. I think that there's a cult of science that's kind of just yeah.
1: hanging out, doing the same stuff. Sure. You know? Yeah. 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 I I mean, we've, we've discussed this so much and I'm always like, anytime somebody gets too hot one way or the other, you know, yeah. they're too grounded in one thing and they're unable to see maybe a middle ground. I'm always suspect of that because it's like, it's my one complaint about atheists. Um, and I've got a lot. I've got a lot of friends who are atheists, man. There's nothing. <laughs> I have nothing against them, but it's like that quote. Somebody who was it? It was like um, I was a, mus- a musician. And they were talking about you've always got to leave room in the studio for God to come in, because yeah. in music, in a lot of ways, that's what I relate to the most. Because that was my first experience with God is picking up a, a instrument playing in a room with my friends and feeling something greater than myself, you know. Um,
2: Can I ask you what you mean by your first experience of God? What was that?
1: uh, Well, I mean, I grew up in church and I was always told I'm supposed to feel this magnificence, you know, this great sort of warm feeling come over me. And I never got that. Mm -hmm. I I was saved. I was baptized. I was all the things I was supposed to be but I never like had a real presence of God. I didn't, mm. I didn't know what that meant. And you know, I'm like, you know, 12, you know, 12, 14 years old. And I start learning how to play in a band. And that was the first, like, just like a endorphin rush or something of God. Mm-hmm. Just saying, mm-hmm. this is a representation of what tapping into something greater than yourself can be. Yeah. So yeah, that was yeah. it for me. Now, Everyone's got their own thing. Everybody's got their own, the way that they go through life and they experience these things. But for me, that was it. But I'm not, I have, I've never told anybody that, you know, your experience should be, you know, the way that I experience things. That's not, that's unrealistic. You know, I think Mm -hmm. the only thing we can hope for is for people to allow one another to have these thoughts, have these feelings, have these practices, especially mm-hmm. with you, you know, you're a seeker, you have made it a mission in your life to try to understand more about yourself. And you've, you've, you've gone to great links links that most people won't go through.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that is, yeah. you know what I mean? That's something special. Yeah. And you have an understanding of that spirituality and the understanding of that than most people will will ever have. I love that you're so respectful toward, you know, the the folks that you practice with, because if anything, that's the most important thing is that Mm -hmm. we're learning how to navigate this world with these tools. And if we just... It's like if, if I just go to Home Depot and I buy every tool that they have, but I don't have any idea how to use these tools, well, I have a great tool shed. You know what I mean? It looks wonderful. Yeah, exactly. It looks so
2: it, great. Yeah. But it
1: means nothing. You know, it's like yeah.
2: you
0: know, that's, it yeah, mean that's... you can put anything together. Right.
2: Yeah, right. I think I, I, I kind of keep myself from many what's the animal with the longest arm a very long arm's length from new age communities (laughs) Uh, because i like i I think uh the beautiful people there just like we're talking about science we're talking about religion this is not about the people yeah i think it's just like you're saying barry there's something happened to you where like your soul felt god playing music and i think there's i personally have come to think part of us knows and remembers and we're seeking and longing. And so in spaces where new age spirituality is around, it offers a beautiful way to be connecting. And so I really am not, it's not about the people, but I do have some concerns about the way that new age spirituality is happening. There's a lot of money in that industry. Oh, sure. And it's like, did you do your like inner child work? Did you do this drum journey? Did you do this? And you do this, this and so much, uh, it's your tool shed. Like how many tools do you have? I don't have that many tools. I just have this asshole that tells me what to do. Right. Um, and he keeps it really simple. Uh, I think one of the, one of the things that I notice, um, that's really different is, uh, like for example, Reiki, I think Reiki is amazing. And I, uh, I did actually do Reiki training. Um, and, uh, interestingly, the Mongolian spirits around me approve of it and love it. And I think there's something, personally, I think it's very legitimate and amazing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but one of the things that are that's really uh, unique about shamanism coming out of Mongolia is uh, you have, in Mongolia, you have white shamans and you have black shamans. Mm-hmm. It's not about good and bad. Um, white shamans, they're the he- energy healers, so it would be something similar to doing Reiki okay. um, healing work. The black shamans are doing protection, primarily protection and divination. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you have shamans that are white, your shamans that are black, sometimes your shamans that are white and black. I happen to be recognized not by one, but by several shamans as someone that does black and black and white shaman.
0: Okay. So you're great.
2: Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. The, the great uh, shaman.
0: You're like, I'm the the great shaman, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It doesn't mean I do everything. And, you know, shamanism is something like X-Men. Like, my mentor, she's phenomenal at, at like, medical stuff. And I'm just shit at medical. Um, I seem to do more stuff like soul level, like soul retrievals and these things. But one of the things that I just happen to be total badass, if I may say about, is possession and removals of bad spirits. <laughs> okay. So, I, let's, uh,
1: can we talk about that for a second?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: What, uh, what is, what's that like?
3: Because
1: like, <laughs> we've had, we've had one or two people that have talked about this before. My only connotation with that kind of stuff comes from the exorcist, which is an absolutely horrifying movie yeah. uh, about de- demonic possession. If and nobody has like I'm sure everybody's seen it, but um, it still is one of those movies that I'm just so terrified of. But yeah. I'm always curious about this because this is like a subject that even like super religious people don't often like to talk about. Um, even yeah. even though that we and all know I exist, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think I like to bring it up because uh, there's a lot of taboo around talking about it. Yeah, And what ha- I mean, it's, it reminds me of like being from like a place where they were like, oh, we don't want our teenagers pregnant. So we won't teach them about safe sex. Right. And then what yeah. happens? Got a lot of babies. Yeah. Yep. You know, like because we don't talk about it, we don't know practices to keep ourselves safe and it happens a lot. And I think that's one of the things that shamanism Mongolia really can offer the West is we got the Reiki, we got the energy healing, we got the crystals, we got the bowls and I do a lot of sound healing. That's the way. Uh, okay, cool. That, um, And if I can just take a moment to plug my Patreon, I have a Patreon. Yeah, 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 Thank yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely.
2: I'm super excited about it. It's just a place where the weirdos, The rest of us can gather where we don't quite feel connected with New Age Spirituality, but some people are there from there. Uh, I have a lot of animal communicators and people that work with horses there. I have people from Asia and Europe and the U.S. And, um, yeah, it's just a place where we gather. And and, uh, I do some teachings. I do Ask Me Anything, and I get hilarious questions. And I have a monthly sound healing, the sound meditation that I put on there as well. So I, I do love these practices. And it is funny when I'm in Mongolia, Mongolians are chill, man. They're like, how do I, it's like something between like East Asian culture and Texas. Like, oh, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. If,
2: you, if you've been there, it makes sense. Yeah. They're just chill. And I just yeah. laugh with them. And well, I'm like, there's, Yeah. There's a lot of videos of me around there and I'm, they're kind of like weird at first. And I'm like, take videos. This shit is so weird. Why is a white woman a Mongolian shaman? And I say, look, I don't understand it either. My spirit's Mongolian question me. Don't accept what I'm saying is, I always say that, like don't accept anything about me. If you accept this white woman saying she's a shaman, you got to work on
3: yourself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got to prove myself. Um, but one of the things I joke about is, like, I, when I'm there, I say, look, my spirit's a Mongolian. I remember past lives there in Mongolia now. I've been recognized by shamans. But I grew up on nachos and swimming pools. And I don't have the same methods as you. And one of the methods that I use is I actually use uh, sound healing quite a bit there, which is not traditional for a Mongolian shaman. Um But what, so so I want to get back to your question about like possession work. So I think the reason why possession work is a great match for Mongolian shamans is because we do this possession work ourselves. So I have this Onga. He's here with us right now. He's with me 24 7. I can hear him. And uh, he is the one that has taught me how to do all of this. So I don't really have a human teacher. And the way that he's taught me to do it uh, is. let me tell you guys a story. It's one of my favorite stories sure. to tell. So I was in Mongolia a couple of years ago, and we were I, I, we were really getting into the training of how to do uh, spirit removal and, like, um, uh, exorcist work, exorcism work. It's sort of a sexy word, but it's just—it's what I do. I do a couple a week. And— um he was like, okay, so I'm in this yurt. They call the girl there. And I, when I'm there, people like I'm, I'm booked. Like people come, I sleep in. So I start working in the afternoon, but I'm working until 11 <laughs> at night and yeah. they can't like There's a lot, it's not like one or two. Like I really have a community that comes and they all come to see me. And I, I had someone come in and they had a pretty bad icky thing on them. So this own God, who I am, her audience, And he was talking to me. He said, okay, you do this and you do this and you do this. And I was like, okay, I'm all like big in my britches. Because uh, one of my teachers said to me very early on, they said, only the young shamans know what they're doing. And what that meant was, <laughs> the seasons when, no, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs>
3: yeah, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. This shit is way more complicated than what a human can understand, you know. But I was in the season of thinking I knew what I was doing. And he, and he, like you said, Adam, he's a bit of a rascal. So he's like, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this. And I'm doing it. And I go back, feeling all, like, you know, proud of myself. And uh, my toilet's broken in my apartment. I'm living at that time. I was living in the capital of Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Half of the people live in the country, like more like kind of rural. What you might think of some somewhat nomadic. Half of them live in the city. It's very urban.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I'm in my apartment. My toilet's broken. Can't get the plumber. So so the plumber says, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come the next day." I think he might have had a few drinks. Doesn't come the next day. My spirit at this time, the Ongod is like the rascal Ongod. He's like, no, "Tell me what you tell me what he did again." I think that you know he's totally fucking with me. He's like, "I think this might be related." Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I did this and then I did this and I, you know I'm like, I was so sexy, like doing you know sexy shamanism and I removed this thing and he was like, "Oh, so you did that?" I was like, "Yeah, I did it." Okay, okay, okay. Prom- plumber's probably coming. Weeks, not days. Weeks go by without a functioning toilet. Oh, Biology waits for no man.
3: Oh,
1: yeah.
2: My lessons are not gentle. And he finally said to me, he could have done this day one, you guys. No, but I never forgot it. He finally said, tell me again. I did this, I did this, I did this. He said, every time you remove a spirit, that shit is yours.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So then what do you
2: do? Uh, He said, I do the removal. And he gave me this image and it was, it was the perfect image for me and spirits. These higher spirits know just the right way to give you the message. So I did have this pit bull and she was the love of my life. Her name was Zelda. I also had this cockapoo. I mean, I love my cockapoo. It, it was a risk. My mom adopted it and she had him for a couple of weeks and was like, I ah, just stopped feeling it. She was to giving him to the pound. And we were like, we were a pit bull family, but we didn't want this sweet boy Leroy to go to the pound. So we took him in. But then I like, you know, I, I have pit bull identity and that's, would <laughs> think about yeah. cockaboo but i loved them both so i had leroy and zelda so zelda was a really really sweet dog but big protector and she all they loved to wrestle together mm-hmm. and she always let leroy think that he was winning he was this he was a third of her size this little white fluffy thing and um they love yeah got that that's just what they spent a lot of their days doing she never asserted dominance over him One day we had someone come to the door and I opened the door unexpectedly and she was very territorial and she saw, I don't remember who it was. It was someone bringing a thing. It was no big deal, but she saw a threat and Leroy believed the story that Zelda gave him, which is I'm the, I'm the badass, I'm the alpha, right? So Leroy, (laughs) the little like 25 pound cockapoo comes to save the day. But Zelda now senses a real threat. Oh, I remember what it was. We had just, it was like Halloween was around the corner and we had got these masks, these animal masks. So there was something extra spooky about it. And I, that's right. And it was my husband. And she didn't recognize him. I forgot about that. So Leroy comes to save us. And Zelda is like, shit is on. This is not playtime. And she grabs, or Zelda is like, shit is on. She grabs Leroy by the collar and just tosses him across the room. And he's like, I've got this. And then she went <laughs> and I think attacked my husband. And then we were
3: like, Oh, take the mask off. Take
1: the oh, mask off. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs>
2: And this Onga was like, you're Leroy. You're the (laughs) cockapoo.
3: You're not doing shit.
2: (laughs) And so that's how I do it. And some... The Exorcist, we don't need to be scared of that movie, but it can get really intense, and I've had some scary stories, but I respect these energies enough that I actually would not share the stories here, because sure. that is enough to bring it in, and you guys, there's a couple podcast episodes of yours that, that I won't listen to. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't yeah, need yeah,
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for th- sure. Yeah, there's
0: a couple that yeah. uh, I would definitely... Th- yeah, are Viewer
2: very- listening, or listener advised, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tread You know. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Or wisely. And, right. uh, so he, most of the time. So when I, when I do my shamanic work, I'm generally in a light trance, but when I am doing removal of spirits that are more icky, um, I remember like one time I was getting a little too curious. So he, so a lot of people that do, uh, there are lots of people that are like interested in, um, ghost hunting and ghost investigations yeah. and the paranormal. And I love these communities. Do you guys know Dave Schrader by any chance? Yeah,
1: he came on, he was on our podcast.
2: Uh, oh, just yeah, yeah two years just ago. ago maybe. Oh, nice. Okay. He's,
1: yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He's, He's awesome. He's yeah. awesome.
2: I, I adore him. He's awesome. I was telling him about my own guy and he was like, Francis, this sounds a lot like possession. <laughs> <You>
3: know, like, <laughs> yeah. I
2: don't, I don't know. Is this is the guys on the right team. And I had to be like, yeah, I get it um but i i love i love paranormal communities and i think what i find interesting is when i when i am i I was a shitty judgmental person about paranormal communities even after i had dropped the atheist thing i was like i guess i'm like connecting with spiritual communities you know what i have more fun hanging out with people that talk about the paranormal the questions are better conversations are deeper
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's like anything else. Like there's plenty of reasons to hate on the paranormal community, especially the televised stuff. But, um, a a lot of those people, like some of the people that are doing really great work, they're awesome people and they are trying their best to, given the circumstances, you know, deliver, um, I mean, we've we've had so many people on that are paranormal investigators. That I love them. You know, they don't have any TV shows or anything. They do it because they love yeah. it, and I think it's so yeah. fascinating because when we were kids, and you'd hear about people ghost hunting, I had no idea what entailed that. I mean, you just yeah. walking around and talking to these entities, but they yeah. they've kind of got it into a pretty neat mix of like. Some science, some you know,
3: absolutely spiritual
1: aspects. Curious. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. I, I, I dig it. I agree. Know? Yeah,
2: I totally agree. I think that like, if if you're certain, then I don't know that that's the end of the spiritual path for you. Right. And I just, I, I, I'm, I'm just here to have a good time. Life's weird enough. Yeah. So anyway. I, that reminded me of just Dave Schrader when I was telling him about this. Guy. Oh, God. <laughs> he was like, I don't know. But it, but but that's the good kind of possession. So the bad kind of, so, but because Mongolian shamanism, you specialize in possession, what it literally means is when I'm doing um, different kinds of work, he comes into my body in varying levels. And generally, we kind of find a balance where I'm present and alert, but he's the one moving my hand. I talk about that in the podcast. I have some funny stories nice. about it, but I remember this one, yeah, I find possession work is, uh, it's another, like exorcism, it's another one of those taboo things that we don't talk about in the West. I couldn't, a dentist couldn't work without their tools. I couldn't do what I do without actually knowing how to be possessed. So one time I was doing spirit removal and he is a rascal, but in some ways he knows exactly what I need to be able to do what I do, which is don't freak me out. Um, And if, if he had said beforehand, "Whoa, this one is next level you haven't i would have been scared yeah but instead he was like oh it's just you know your regular cavity you're gonna fill it whatever so we start to open up i start to do the i I open sacred space i bring him in and we start to do the heat or the spirit removal and this shit is tentacles upon dimension interdimensional tentacles of nasty it was a really bad one and i
0: that's yeah
2: yeah, I got freaked out, and I thought, I am a little human. I, I think I might be over my head. And he said, I'm never going to make you do more than you can do. But also, this is how he trains me. He doesn't train me. He just throws me into situations. And what he had always told me up until that point is, there are many people are interested in what kind of spirits there are. Look, there's more kinds of spirits, good and bad, than there are types of bugs in the jungle. Like, you're never going to be able to categorize them all. But a better way to think about it is, you've got your your or your home if a thief comes into your home do you give him a cup of tea and sit him down and say like hey buddy what's your story you know like why are you here what do you want to eat like what happened to you no you get them the fuck out yeah and he so i couldn't i'm very not good at being able to tell you if it's an alien or interdimensional i just i'm good at getting it out but this is one of these times where something came in and i thought whoa this is and and I kind of froze, and in my human instinct, I started to look at it. Like, what what is this? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, uh, and he controlled my brain, got in there, in a way stronger, usually isn't so strong. And I started saying the ABCs internally. I was like, in Mongolia. And the only thing I could think was A, B, C, D, E, F, that's it. That's all. And I was conscious, but not conscious. And he came through and he removed it. And then once it was done, I was done saying the ABCs. So that's how tight we are.
1: Wow. Wow. That's, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. That is amazing.
2: It's a far, far journey from,
1: uh, yeah. What a fascinating story (laughs) you, you have blessed us with your, uh, life journey. And we, I mean, I know we've just touched the surface, but yeah. We need to have yeah. you back.
3: Yeah. I'd love to be back. We need to have you back.
1: I'd love
3: it. Thanks.
1: Yeah. And uh, we would need to again, how can people get in touch with you and etc? Yeah. Plug,
3: plug <laughs> uh, away. Plug yes. away. Plug, I
2: think okay, so my my two big plugs are the podcast and it's like an audiobook. It's eight episodes of my wildest stories, but it's also sort of a cultural critique, and it's just there's a lot in there. Nice. And so that's called not all spirits are jerks and a lot of people just enjoy it for the fun stories other people have told me they love it because they don't know how to open a conversation with the people they love that they have these unusual experiences but they're not there's nothing wrong with it and so they share the podcast and it opens a conversation with people and um, yeah it's just it's a fun time it's a fun time I I, I I consider myself a storyteller the second thing is my patreon so my handle because you know what shot what respectable shaman doesn't have a social media handle sure, of course, of course. <laughs> this
1: is 2023 baby you know yeah man, you know we,
2: we adapt we evolve we right. have cell phones yeah and so my social media handle is dropout psychologist so on patreon you can check me out as a uh, dropout psychologist and it's a great community we're growing cool. there if you want to send me an email it's dropout.psychologist at dropout.psychologist.gmail.com and
0: yeah awesome i just uh S- subscribed to you on or followed you on, uh, on on Spotify. Cool. Uh, so I'll be listening to those when I'm uh, doing my drives. Oh, wonderful. Francis, this has been... Uh, it's incredible, interesting conversation, and a lot of fun. And we really, yeah, we really do. We uh, want you to come back uh, I'd and, love to, yeah. and, and yeah. visit with us and share share some more because this has just been a, it's been it's been fun. It's been great. Well,
2: can I, can I just tell you? Uh, so we're on. We found each other on this uh, group where people yes. talk, and uh, I see people all the time asking for guests that would have something that I could kind of fit. And this own guy is like, no, 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 no. And then you posted, and he said, "Write this guy."
1: Oh, nice! <laughs> That's great. Thank so, you, um, yeah. God. Thank you so, so much. The, yeah.
0: What now, your uncle? What, do you have a kind of an, a visual idea of him? I'm very curious on what your perception of what this guy is.
2: Well, when he met my shaman teacher, I was busy trying to prove how powerful I was. So he appeared to my shaman teacher when we first met as a rat. just because he's an asshole and he just wanted to be like i don't know she thinks he's a rat but uh then he spun around and he pulled off his visage and he became this huge wizard like being
3: wow oh wow and
2: so my who is now my shaman uh like he's the one that initiated me He, he he when he met him in a journey and he came back he did this amazing impression of being a little rat spinning around and revealing himself as this great wizard so i i sometimes think of him as wow. just like a rascal wizard too
1: wow <laughs> that's amazing that's, that that's awesome. cool
2: yeah and he loves you guys so that's great oh, okay. all
1: right we love him Thanks, back for him, sure thank you
2: yeah.
0: very much we uh, we appreciate
1: it thank you, it. you yeah. guys it's yeah. such a pleasure it's absolutely really fun to meet you both and we'll do it again
0: get this we call it what's your weird story right but we don't limit it to weird stories it's true sometimes we have crazy travel and epic adventure stories sometimes we do book reports and other special episodes sometimes we'll cover some weird news sometimes i'll see one of my oldest dearest friends just dancing around and punching the air for five minutes before we sit down and record an episode. But hey, it's all good because it's fun to talk to people, to make new friends, to get in touch and reacquainted with old friends and hear amazing stories.
1: Francis, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your unbelievable life experience with us. And I love these stories when we get people on that maybe Maybe they, they didn't really think uh, that they had any ability to believe in anything outside of what they could physically see in life, and she just had an awakening, and she's brave. She's a brave person. She totally, you know, she, she, she switched directions in her life, went the complete opposite direction, and not many people would do that.
0: Absolutely, dude brave is very much uh, the perfect word to describe it you know when you have such a radical life change um, where it I mean you know it changes you know your foundations in life you go from being a staunch atheist and uh, you know uh, science based person with no you know Faith per se to becoming someone who is just lives purely on spirit. Uh, it is, you know, it is. Her story reminded me, you know, as I as I said in in our interview, is how the story of Paul, you know, that story right. of spiritual awakening and and that's where everything is, you know, the scales fall from your eyes and the world is completely different and other than. You know, you thought it was uh, just amazing. And to take that, which could be very scary on its own, to take that and to roll with it and to uh, follow it. Yeah. To drop everything in your life to follow that, which, you know, your friends and family and, you know, her, her husband, I'm sure they all thought she was crazy. Yeah you know that she uh, that she lost it but you know she followed it she followed her heart and she followed her spirits and she's you know living a a purer life she's living her life and you know she just she glows you can see it you know she just radiates uh, yeah. Out of her and her just, you know, that kind of peace and love yeah. uh, that she's, you know, pursued and she helps people and, and she's continuing to help people. She was helping people before, but now she's helping them on, you know, a spiritual level somewhere even, you know, heftier, I guess, yeah. uh, than than what she was doing before or, you know, at least, you know, a, d- a different category of helping, still helping, she's helping the spirit and not the the mind, right? Yeah, right. that's what I try right. to get at. It's
1: yeah. really interesting. It's a uh, it's a uh, just it's mind blowing, and I I love I love her ability to immerse herself in culture and just like take things in and learn. You know it, that takes a lot of humility, and and I think so many people, you know they they don't allow themselves to do that. So I, I'm just you know always love when we have a guest on that can. You know, which is maybe why we didn't talk so much because we were immersed in her world and just yes. soaking it in and listening to what she's saying. And her story is incredibly powerful. And you can tell because if it weren't powerful, she wouldn't have been drawn to that and it wouldn't have changed her life. So, again, thank you, Francis. You're, you're an amazing guest and we look forward to having you back on. And uh, we look forward to having you on. We want to have you on the podcast. We want to talk to you. We want to hear your weird, funny, strange anecdotes, maybe. Whatever you've got. Maybe you got a weird uncle out there. Uh, we want to hear the stories. <laughs> all right? We're getting into holiday season. We know family can be weird. We want to hear your stories. Get in touch with us.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you can get a hold of us through our social media spots, our Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at WYWSPOD at uh, you can call us on the hotline, 513-909-9821. And uh, you can, you know, listen to all of our episodes on our website, what's uh, and remember, that's why E R, uh, because we care. I don't, I don't know. It's true, though. We do care. There's no need for year. Uh, we're country. That's what we, we went with here. That's, that's in our hearts. We're, we're good old boys. Anyway, you know that. You've been listening. Hopefully, you've been listening for a while. Uh, if you haven't been listening for a while and you're just joining us now, hey, welcome, to weirdsville we hope you enjoy your stay and your stay is a long 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 time because that's how long we plan on doing this uh you know we're to uh 273 episodes in and uh you know we're just uh we're just getting kicking the dust off of our boots uh if that i guess that makes any sense i don't know we're just getting started we got a lot of fuel in the tank um long, long way to go um, and of course your your stories are the fuel that keep us going and uh, we love you weirdsville you are awesome uh, and don't forget go check out uh, for more of uh, Francis's stories go check out her podcast not all spirits are jerks and uh, getting more there and uh, you know and, and when she comes back in the future um so we yeah awesome we're excited uh we've got lots of cool stuff coming up man we're rounding out 2013 is not the year it is 2023 is the year it is (laughs) uh well it happens i i i I didn't just do a uh, fallback daylight savings i did a decade (laughs) savings there for a second in my brain oh Um, it happens uh, 2023 has been a spectacular year we've had amazing guests uh, and we've had amazing interactions with you guys, our listeners our friends, Weirdsville and uh, Weirdsville, we love you and we want to keep it going on for the next next year and the next decade and even beyond so thank you very much and we uh, hope you uh, have a good one and we will see you next time here on the What's Your Weird Story podcast, uh, I've been Adam Beebe. He's yes, Johnson. He he paused. I, he didn't I, didn't. I thought he'd pick up, but he didn't. But uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> we'll see you there. Be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to
1: hear it.